we're going to take our offering.
tonight we are going to move from talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus through prayer and begin talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus as we study the scriptures to know and love God. So we talked about prayer, now we're talking about Bible. And um, through the summer, as I was kind of planning this series and thinking about what we would talk about and um, how we would address it and how we would go about um, whether doing like large groups or small groups or, or whatever, uh, I really wrestled with like the order. I don't know about you, but I'm like really particular and kind of picky and I get kind of fixated on little things. And But with with this thing between the word and prayer, like trying to figure out which one to do first was really hard for me, you know, because in a sense you think like, well, whichever one's first is the most important. And that's not really true. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, man, should we talk about the word first? Should we talk about prayer first? Because uh, the reason why I was really wrestling with this is, is twofold. Our communication with the Father, our communication with God goes two ways, right? If I'm going to communicate with you, Right, so I listen to Cobes say hi, and then I say what? I say hi, Cobes, right? So I listen, and then I say something back. And the way that we communicate with God is very similar, right? We listen to God, and we talk to God. However, we talk to God in our prayers. And I truly believe that we listen to God through his word. So we talk to God through our prayers. We listen to God through his word. And I want you guys, if you can, turn to Matthew chapter 22, verses 30 through 34 through 40. Um, and while you're doing that, um, I, I want to pray. Uh, I want to pray for us. Um, I think the two things that we struggle with the most as Christians in this world today, I believe the two things that we struggle with are prayer and the word. I really do. I think that our communication with God in today's society is lacking. And I think it's lacking because um, I think we've failed to give it the attention that it deserves. Um, and we failed to give it the attention that it deserves as a whole. This isn't just like one or two of us that's failed to do this. I, I think corporately as the body of Christ, we have really failed to do this in many ways. Not from like Sundays at church, right? Because Sundays at church and Wednesdays here, we're like, we, we get into the word. Right? And we pray and we do these things. However, I think we failed to see the importance of these in the nooks and crannies of our life. Like we, we, we do these things in the big events. We do these things in the events, in the programs, the, the Wednesdays, the Sundays, the Saturday nights. Whenever it is that you um, gather together with other people to worship God, we nail these things on those days. But in the nooks and crannies and in the small spaces of our life, we fail um, to see the importance of these. And we don't cling to these things. And in not clinging to these things, we, we kind of fail in a sense to cling to God. Um, but our, our failure to see this on the regular is not something that we need to sulk in and, and beat ourselves up about. I, I, if, if, if we don't take the time to read the word, or if we haven't in the past taken the time to read the word on a regular basis, and we haven't taken the time to pray on a regular basis, I don't want you to hold that over yourself um, in the form of guilt. I don't. That's not the goal here tonight. Not, that's not the goal here any night. The goal is not to make you feel guilty. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, and hopefully that doesn't lead to guilt. My hope is that that leads to freedom. Not guilt. Because what guilt does is guilt 
causes us to feel so bad about ourselves that we take no action. We just continue to feel bad about ourselves. Or if we do take action, we take action to earn something. So if I'm, if I'm guilty about not reading the word, I'm going to start reading the word so that I can receive the love of God. And that's what guilt does. But what freedom does is freedom causes us to see the love of Christ. And through seeing the love of Christ, we're compelled to meet him in his word. See, the cause of God's love is not our time in the word. The effect of God's love is our time in the word. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dig into Matthew 22. Um, Let me pray. Father, thank you. Um, Thank you for your word. Lord God, that you chose to use certain people to set them apart and to inspire them by your spirit to write down exactly what you wanted us to know in exactly the way you wanted it to be communicated. Lord, we recognize that this word that we hold in our hands is um, from your breath. God, you breathed out this word, you recorded it in human language so that we can understand. Not so that we can know about you, but so we can know you intimately. And Lord, I pray that tonight as we um, talk about your word, as we talk about what what it looks like applied to our lives, I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. And I pray that you would help us and motivate us to follow you in prayer and to follow you as we listen in your word. Amen. So Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Does anybody in here have glasses? You have glasses. Can I borrow your glasses? Yes, thank you. Is this like a super intense prescription? Am I, I'm not going to fall on my face, am I? Okay. Oh, man. Okay. So, I can barely see you, but this is good. It's good that I can barely see you. Are these bifocals? Okay. Anyway, so, oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> why, why do you wear glasses? So I can see. So you can see. Why can't you see? Because you're blind. Okay. Okay. Because your eyes aren't good. But when you put glasses on, what happens? For me, they mess my vision up. Right? Whew. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Um, We put glasses on because we cannot see the world correctly. We can't perceive things correctly. And so we put glasses on because now we see through a lens that clears up our vision, right? And we can now see, we can walk, we can interact. But the interesting thing is, is that when we can't see correctly, it not only affects our eyes, right? It affects other areas of our life. There are certain things that I cannot do if I cannot see correctly. And glasses, the lens, it's not, it's not the whole glass, it's the lens. The lens that we see through 
causes us to see clearly. I want you to think about that as we talk tonight. And the reason why, thank you so much, the reason why I wanted to use that is because back in the first century, rabbis, right? Because we've talked about rabbis. We, we know what rabbis are, and there were many rabbis. Jesus was not the only rabbi in the first century. Rabbis were teachers of the law, the law being the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Thank you. I'm the pastor. I should know that, right? Um, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. These are the, this is called the Torah, okay? And rabbis would have this debate, right? Because something interesting that rabbis did is we would call it arguing, but what they would do, they would do something called havering, and, and they, they would, this is how they would learn. They would have a friend, right? And this friend, they would, would come alongside them, and together they would wrestle the scriptures. And this is how they would learn the truth of God's word. They wouldn't have some dude up just talking to him all the time. They would get together, one-on-one, three-on-three, whatever, and they would wrestle the scriptures to determine what the meaning of the text was. And I mean, these guys, they would get like red in the face, you know? I mean, they, they loved it. But it helped them grow in their faith. And uh, one of the big debates that they would wrestle together was of the 613 known commands in the first five books of the Bible, which one is the greatest? Which one is the greatest? Why would they have this debate? Why would they have this debate? Because the greatest commandment, this, the purpose of this debate was to um, fulfill an ancient method of interpretation. Okay, what is interpretation? Interpretation is how we determine the meaning of something, right? So if I, if I, if I read um, anything, if it's the Bible, if it's a textbook, whatever it is, if I'm gonna determine the meaning of whatever it is that I'm reading, I'm interpreting it, right? I'm interpreting it. And so the way that they would determine the meaning of the Bible is they would use whatever it was that they believed to be the greatest commandment. What do I mean by this? In this example, basically what Jesus is, what Jesus is being asked is in, in asking what's the greatest commandment, he's really being asking, how do you see the scriptures? How do you see the scriptures? Because what Jesus sees as the greatest commandment is the lens that he looks through to see the entire scriptures. That's why it says at the end, the entire law and prophets hang on these commands. Because what he's doing is he's saying, in saying this is the greatest commandment, he's saying this is what the entirety of the Bible is about. And what does he say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. In Mark, Mark's account of this, he says heart, soul, mind, and strength. The logic behind that is to um, is not to separate certain aspects of the body. It, it, that's, that's not the purpose of that. Basically what that means is with the entirety of your being, love the Lord your God. And what he's doing is he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, which is in the first five books of the Bible. And then the second is like it, he says, to love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. And, and in that one, he's quoting Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. Why is this so important? Because if we are going to properly engage God in his word, we need to see his word as he intended it to be seen. If I'm going to write a story to you and I want it to be read, it means something to me, right? I'm the author. It doesn't matter what it means to you because that's not how it was intended to be written down. If you read the story about my life and you read it and you're like, man, this means this to me, 
You could be entirely wrong about what the actual story means if you're just focused on how you see it. But if you put yourself in the, yourself in the shoes of the author, then you begin to discover something beautiful. You get to see the story, how the author intended it to be written, and it enriches the meaning of what you're reading. The same goes with the Bible. God wrote this for us. And I could spend hours and hours and hours explaining to you how exactly it works that God used people and it's still God's word. I can, and we can have that conversation. I'm open to have that conversation if you want. But that's not a conversation to be had tonight. What I want you to see is why God wrote the scriptures. And God wrote the scriptures so that we can know him and so we can love him. And so that through knowing him and loving him, we can love others. Because basically what he's saying here is the entire Bible, all of it, in the eyes of Jesus is about loving God and loving people. What seems like such a complicated book gets real simple when we look at it that way, doesn't it? Right? We, we, we take this Bible and, we, and we, we, we look at it and we see how big it is and, and we see all these words and some, some Bibles, depending on your translations, are worded just a little bit funny, like it's just not how we talk today. And there's a reason for that. There is, and it's a good reason. But we look at this and we get so intimidated. But once we see why the scriptures were written, we see that the purpose of the scriptures is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Because the entire Bible hangs on that. The entire Bible hangs on that. This is what Jesus saw as the greatest commandment in Scripture. It's the lens that he looked through to interpret what this meant. So what does that, what does that mean? Well, we have to know, right? Jesus was fully God in the form of a man. He was God in every sense except for his human nature. Jesus was God. He took on, he put on humanity. But he was God. He is in perfect unity with the Father. Jesus was in perfect unity with the Father. He walked step by step with the Father. The only time Jesus was ever separated from God was at the crucifixion. That's why when he was hanging on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, he bore the fullness of God's wrath and he was separated from God in that moment as he bore the weight of our sin. That was the suffering that Jesus had on the cross. Not, that he, not just that he was in a bunch of physical pain, but for the one time in his entire existence, in all of eternity, Jesus was separated from the Father. He was separated from the Father. But Jesus, as he walked this earth, he was in perfect unity with the Father. As he sits enthroned at God's right hand right now, he's in perfect unity with the Father in every way. So knowing all this to be true, we can have confidence that Jesus sees the Bible in the same way that God does. And so we can be confident that God wants us to see the Bible this way by looking through the lenses of the great commandment to love God and love people. Since God is the ultimate author of the Bible, seeing the greatest commandment through the eyes of God gives us insight into how God wants us to see his word. He gives us the essential ingredient for interpreting the entire Bible in this passage. He's showing us that in order to understand the Bible and what it says, we have to see it through the eyes of love. Listen, when you look at the Bible through the eyes of love, you understand why suffering happens. Believe it or not. You see why suffering happens. You see the purpose that God has for humanity in suffering. Because there is a purpose in our lives as Christ followers to endure suffering because it produces in us perseverance and that perseverance gives us a tighter grip 
on God. So that when we're struggling, when we're going through a hard time, we can hold on to God that much tighter. That's what suffering does for us. It helps us to run this race we call following Jesus harder and faster and longer, longer so that we can be faithful to God through any and all circumstances, not just when things are good. Our motives when we open up the Bible, when we, when we sit in front of the scriptures and we open it up, and I would encourage you, if you don't study the Bible on a regular basis, to, to start looking at it, but not to do it alone. I think the worst thing that we do as Christians when somebody, when somebody gets saved, right, when somebody finally, you know, gets drawn to the Father and gets saved and experiences the love of Christ, I think one of the worst things that we can do as brothers and sisters in the faith is go up to them and say, hey, here's a Bible. Good luck. And walk away. Why do you think that's the worst thing we can do? You can toss that up here if you want. Thank you. Why do you think that's the worst thing we can do? Why? Right. Exactly. How in the world are you going to be able to, like, seriously? <laughs> Listen, unless I tell you, right, how to see the scriptures, how are you going to know how to see the scriptures? You can't. And unless we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we can't see the Scriptures clearly. We can only see the Scriptures through the eyes of the Father. And, the, and, and what I mean by that is we can't see the Scriptures unless God gives us the ability to see it. And the only way he gives us the ability to see it is if we get saved. This is huge. And our motives, when we open up the Bible, need to reflect the love that we see the Bible through. What do I mean by that? So what are some different reasons why we open up the Bible? To read it. Okay, so why read the Bible? Why read it? What's the point? What's the point? For peace, okay? I want some bad reasons. Yeah, I want some bad reasons. Why, why, what are some bad reasons to open up the Bible and read it? For answers to our problems. I like that. Whew, that's good. Okay. For guidance when you're struggling? You think that's a bad reason? Only when you're struggling? Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yes, you're right. You kind of went like this. Is that? Yes. Mm -hmm. So just doing it because you have to, right? Oh, that's gold. That is gold. All of those answers are gold. I have a few. Because God says that we have to. Because God says that we have to. That's not a bad reason to open up the Bible. Yes, God commands us to open the scriptures and to know them. But if that's the only reason, we've missed the point. If that's the only reason, we've missed the point. Because in opening up the Bible, just because God tells us to, we're not going to see it in a way that causes it us to apply it to our lives. We're just going to see it for what it's worth. Okay, I read the chapter today. I'm going to put it down. I'm done. I'm not even going to think about it the rest of the day. You see what I mean? It's almost like doing your homework because you have to. You don't really care sometimes. You just don't. I mean, we can be honest. Homework stinks, right? If I'm doing my homework just because I have to, I'm not going to enjoy it, right? Yeah, there, yes, there's a teacher in the room. And yes, teacher, I dropped out of high school, so I'm a terrible person to talk about homework. But... 
If we do homework because we have to, if we do it because we have to, we miss the entire point of actually doing the homework, which is to apply what we've learned in the classroom. That's the entire purpose, to apply and practice what we've learned in the classroom. We open our Bibles because our parents say we have to. Not a horrible reason to open up the scriptures, but if it's our only reason, again, we're missing the point. Opening our Bibles because we want to know about God. We want to know about God. And what I mean by this is the, the religious person who wants to gain facts and knowledge alone. Just to know stuff and things about God. We open our Bibles to know how to tell others about God. This is also a bad motive. Why? Because if we're studying for somebody else, we will never apply it to our own lives. This is why I myself, as a pastor, will not spend the only time in the word that I spend is not just to prepare to teach. Because if I'm just doing it to prepare to teach, then I'm doing nothing but applying it to your life and not my own. That sounds to me like a hypocrite, right? We open our Bibles to show others that we open our Bibles. We open our Bibles to show others that we open our Bibles because we want them to see that we follow Jesus. Or we open up our Bibles to try and prove that the Bible is flawed. This is how I used to read the Bible before I was a Christian. I used to try to find errors and mistakes in it to prove to all the people that I thought were crazy that followed Jesus that God didn't exist. That too is wrong because God does exist. If we do not begin to open our Bibles to only, if we do not begin to open our Bibles only to know God, we will never be able to grasp his love for us. We need to open our Bibles not to know about God, but to know God to know him. What's the difference? What's the difference? I can know a whole lot about my wife without actually knowing her, right? I can know a whole lot about Maddie without actually knowing her. I can find out what classes she takes at school. I can find out who her family is. I can find out whether or not she goes to church with, um, you know, social media these days. I can find out a whole lot about somebody, without actually knowing them, right? So think about that in regards to God. We can know a whole lot about God and not know him at all. And that is the danger with only thinking that Christianity and following Jesus is showing up to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. Is because in that we fall into the lie that knowing about God is enough. Not knowing him fully. the why behind our study of the scripture begins to change when we study the scriptures to know God. I like to say study the scriptures to know and love God because I think when we truly begin to know God, we start to love him. And I think both need to be explicitly included because of our misinterpretations to only know about God. And so we think that knowing God is just knowing facts when in fact knowing God is all about relationship. It's all about relationship. It's give and it's take. It's sacrifice. It's day to day. It's in the nooks and crannies of your life. I'm commanded to lay down my life for the sake of my wife. And I enjoy doing it. Why? Why? Why would I enjoy doing something for my wife like that? Why do you think? Why would I lay down my life for my wife? Sounds like it should be a Dr. Seuss book. What? Okay, yeah. Why else would I do it, Justin? Because I love her. 
And how did I fall in love with my wife? How do you think I fell in love with her? I got to know her. See how this is connected? Listen, it, it's, it's such a subtle change, but it makes a world of difference. Because when we, we move from knowing about God to knowing God, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes the why behind us even opening the word. Our understanding of God in the scriptures begins to change. We see God as a loving father more and more. We understand why his wrath is necessary. We understand why a perfect God would be filled with wrath and hate sin entirely. The answer to that question is in his love for us. Because a holy and perfect love hates the thing that destroys the object of its love. What I mean by that is I would never, ever, 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 ever want my son to partake in anything that kills him. God knows the end result of sin is death, and he never, ever, ever would want his creation. We are God's masterpiece. Humanity is made in the very image and likeness of God. You think the Grand Canyon is beautiful. His masterpiece is humanity. So you think the Grand Canyon and the horizon and the sunset is beautiful? That is a fraction of the beauty that God sees in creating humanity. That is a fraction of the beauty that he had for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when he created us. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which he before, prepared beforehand for us to walk in. We are God's masterpiece. You start to see these things, these nuggets, these beautiful nuggets of truth when you begin to see scripture through the lens of loving God and loving others. That every single verse, every single syllable is about loving God and loving others. When we see it this way, the power of scripture is unlocked. The power of scripture is unlocked. Once we begin to look at a passage in this way, the power of scripture is unlocked because we can speak to God as we pray and we begin to listen to God. Truly listen to God through his word. God speaks to us in his word. And in that way, the power of scripture is unlocked because we are beginning to see his word appropriately. When we receive the gift of eternal life, we experience cleansing power. This power comes from the gospel and through God as he saves us from death and the consequences of it. God's saving work in us is complex. But the greatest reward we receive in getting saved is the gift of God's spirit. Why? Because from the Holy Spirit, we get our power and security as believers. His Spirit is what unlocks in us the ability to see the Word of God in this way. And what I mean by in this way is through the lens of love. We can finally see Scripture as the way that God intended it. And in that way, we can follow the rabbi in his Word. Because once we get to see the Word through the eyes of the rabbi, we can become like the rabbi. We can become like Jesus, right? The whole purpose of being a disciple is to become exactly like the rabbi, to become exactly like Jesus in every way we can. And it's a process. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't. I, this summer, I was riding with uh, Cade up to Chicago. He offered to help me get some stuff from my dad's house. My dad was moving from Chicago to New Jersey. And so we're riding up in, um, in the, the world's tiniest U-Haul. It was really cute. And uh, 
one of the coolest things happens. We're on the way back. I mean, it's a three and a half hour drive, and we're just talking the whole time. We we listened to some scripture and talked about it. It was really it was actually this passage we listened to, which was really funny. Um, but it's just ironic. I just made that right now. It's not written down there. Hey. Um, but as we're talking, we actually I made a connection because so Cade met me. Cade knew me right after I became a Christian. Right after I became a Christian, Cade went on a mission trip to something called Mission Peoria, which I'm wearing the t-shirt for, the one that was uh, in 2015. And Cade, I just started dating Sarah a week before, right? You went to Mission Peoria, and Cade was there. Titus was there. Shout out to Titus. But um, we actually made the connection that Cade met me right after I became a Christian. And if you want to, please go ask Cade how immature I was when I first started following Jesus. I was loud and obnoxious, kind of a jerk to people. Like, I was just, I was very immature as a new Christian. And I'm sure Kate could vouch for me today and say that I'm completely different because I've grown in Christ and, and just the circumstances of my life have changed. And um, I think Maddie knew me, met me, knew me when I was a baby Christian. A lot of you actually did because I'm like five years old standing up here. But um, Wendy did. Nick did. There's actually a few members of the church who thought I was immature and crazy. They actually didn't believe that I was a Christian because of my immaturity in the faith. And so let me tell you that this is a process, right? The Holy Spirit's work in us is a process, but it's progressive. It always is upward, never downward, never stagnant. I truly believe nobody is truly stagnant in the faith. I believe we're only progressing or regressing. You can't stay in the same place. You can't. Are you progressing in the faith? Are you growing in Christ or are you regressing? My prayer for you is that you would be stirred up to see the love of God and his call for you to love people in the word and then that would draw you to him in such a way where you begin to grow. So I want to practice this tonight. I do. I want to practice this. We have 25 minutes left. We're going to practice for five minutes and we're going to get in groups and we're going to practice for 20 minutes. Can you hit that slide, please? So how does this work? Right? We talk about all these great ideas, but if we leave here, we don't apply them to our life, they mean nothing. As long as you're going to come here, I hope you hear that from me. We can learn and learn and learn and learn and learn here. But if we just learn and learn and learn and learn and learn here and don't go out there and live, then guess what? We are doing nothing but studying the scriptures to know about God. But if we truly want to study the scriptures to know and love God, we need to practice this stuff. We just do. So, would somebody with a big, loud, booming voice want to read that puppy up there? Just the, just the scripture. Hit me, girl. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so what does seeing the scriptures through the lens of Jesus and seeing it as hanging on, loving the Lord and loving people, how does that apply to your study when you read the Bible? Here's how it applies. What are those two questions? Somebody want to say the first one? What's the first one? How does this passage help me grow in my love for God? Okay, and Lexi, you raised your hand. What's the second one? How 
How does this passage help me grow in my love for God? How does this passage help me grow in my love for others? If you can answer these two questions when you read any passage in the Bible, if you can even answer one, you've unlocked what God wants you to see in that passage. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. How does this passage help me grow in my love for God? How does this passage help me grow in my love for others? Now, when you wrestle these questions, you might miss like huge theological, intellectual, deep truths about God, and that's okay. Why? Why? I'm okay with you missing those when you first begin studying Scripture. I am. Why? Because I would much rather you apply it in these ways. But I also believe that the only way we can unlock deep theological truths about God is by seeing the Scripture in these ways. Because every single deep truth about God exposes either one of two things. His love for us, our love for Him, or a call for us to love others. So, we're going to talk about this for the next one minute. Just kidding. How does that passage help you grow in your love for God? What do you see there that helps you grow in your love for God? Did everybody hear that? Here's what I love about what you did. It's really easy to look at this, and I chose this passage specifically, because this passage is loaded, loaded with answers to the second question, or it would, at face value, it appear to be so, right? Because these are a lot of commands to do to other people, right? But what I love what you did there is you took a command for us to do to other people, for us to show our love to others, and you connected it to God's love for us. What does it say? It says, Honor one another above yourselves. Why do we honor one another before ourselves? You made that connection because Christ honored us over himself in laying his life down. You see that? In that way, we answer what this helps us grow about, or what, what's the question? What, uh, helps, it helps us grow in our love for God. Sorry, that was really confusing how I said that. Okay, what else do you see? Okay. Share with others who are in need. God shared his word with us. He shared his life with us. He gave us his time. Isn't this incredible? Two simple questions and it unlocks the scriptures in such an incredible way. Such an incredible way. This is what I mean when I say following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. God gives us clear directions. He paints the path for us. In Psalms, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word is not meant to confuse us. It's meant to open our eyes. We just have to see it through the lens that Jesus wants us to see it through, and all of a sudden, it just starts making sense. What else do you see there? Can I say just a couple of quick things? Um, just because of the 
What's affliction mean? Right, it's like suffering. Be patient in affliction. I love how he tells us to be patient. Why? It shows to us, it reveals to us, Jesus' posture toward his own affliction was patience. Why? Because of his love for us. Because of his love for us. And so we too, as an expression of his love for us and our desire to love others, we are also patient in our own affliction. Because if we're following Jesus, we will be persecuted. That's a promise. If you're truly following Jesus in your life, you will be persecuted, you will be afflicted. The first time I ever really was made fun of for anything else but my stature, because I used to be really small, was when I started following Jesus. First time I was at a college, I was at Heartland Community college, I couldn't believe it. It broke my soul. It was two months after I started following Jesus. And um, some dude, I don't even know who he was, but he like yelled something like, you like curse word loser. Like I, I don't even remember exactly what he said, but it wasn't just that. He like went on for me, stopped his car, and he said all this. And I didn't respond because it was the first time I'd ever been afflicted like that. And what I think he knew is he knew the people around me because I had no idea who this guy was, but he knew all the people around me. And I'm guessing he knew that they followed Jesus, and I guess he thought that they were a bunch of losers. I saw that. That's okay. I still love you. I want you to see the scriptures in this way. I want, I, listen, when we begin to see, the, let me back up a minute. Somebody last week mentioned something about my excitement. This is why I get excited. Because God has opened up his word for us. This is a treasury of gems. Dig. Dig. And you can dig a better hole when you do it with a partner. Can't do it alone. Don't study this by yourself. One of the biggest struggles of my very own marriage is to get into this with my wife. But I know that once I get into this with my wife, the treasures that we unlock together will be much more beautiful than ones I can unlock on my own because we're doing it together, and that's the way that God intended the scriptures to be studied. So, we have 15 minutes. I got a little juiced up about that, and you guys were giving good answers, so we, we stayed in the large group a little longer. Um, leaders, I want you to take some of these, pass them out, and then just get in groups. There's three passages on here. Listen, I do not want you to get through all three of these. Just pick one and spend 15 minutes talking about it. Just pick one, spend 15 minutes talking about it, and answer those two questions. How does this passage help me grow in my love for God? How does this passage help me grow in my love for others? And just like you saw up here, you'll usually find both. Why? Because all of the law and prophets hang on not one of those, but both of those. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that you laid down your life for us. Thank you that you've given us your word. Lord, and thank you for exposing us tonight to your truth. It's beautiful. God, I pray as we get into groups that you would open our eyes to see the wonderful things you have for us in your word. Father, let it 
cause us to fall on our knees in worship of you. Let it cause us to fall on our knees in appreciation of you. And And Lord, I pray, I pray that our time listening to you in the word motivates us to talk to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.